Hello and welcome to the Leaders Team podcast. Yep, that's right, we've changed the name of our podcast. We're no longer called Talking Teachers. Why? Well, we bring this podcast to you from the Leaders Team at Twinkle, so we thought we'd tie it all up together. Don't worry though, we still have the same hosts and the same great content. So without further ado, here's the latest episode. Hi, I'm Emily DL. In this week's episode, I speak to the one and only Dave McPartlin, who's the head teacher of Flakefleet Primary School in Lancashire. It was great because we're both from neighbouring towns in Teesside in the northeast, so it was great to have a chat with someone with a hometown accent. Dave has done so much in his career, but you might know him best from his golden buzzer moment on Britain's Got Talent. It's just one of the most joyous things I've ever seen. I think you've just made all our hearts soar today. And it's what you want your childhood to have been like and what you want your children's childhood to be like, which is just full of unbridled joy. So this is what I think. Twenty-six million views on YouTube. Incredible. You might also know Dave from his presenting on BBC Bite Size, or you might just have heard that he's an incredible person, which he absolutely is. Either way, this guy is on a mission to make sure whatever he does, it's done with happiness at the core. His school received the Happiest Primary School Award in 2018, and you only have to spend five minutes on the school Facebook page to realise why. I'm excited to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did recording it. So wherever you're listening from, here's episode 11, In Conversation with Dave McPartlin. Hello, Dave McPartlin. Welcome to the Leaders Team podcast. How are you? Yeah, I am very, very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to speak to you. I'm so pleased we've got you on today. Um, how's your week been? It's been all right. It's been half term. Um, weather could have been better, but I've been out and about with the kids quite a bit. Lots of ice creams, uh, a lot more chips than I'd like to admit to. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's been all right. It's been nice to take the foot off the, off the pedal just for a little bit. It's been a pretty intense couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, skills, I can imagine. I yeah. Oh, that's good. But half term is meant for those kind of things. So that's all right. That's good. But um, I am really pleased, like I said, to have you on because we've been chatting a little bit on Twitter. And actually, I think we've got quite a lot in common. When I say we've got a lot in common, it's mainly from where we are from in the northeast, in little neighboring towns, which is yeah. quite nice. You know, literally down the road. I, I didn't realize how, you know, we... We could be like related or something. You I mean, never is, that, know. is that PC these days? You know, well, we could you have just like never... a distant cousin. Yeah, you might do. And do you know what? Um, one thing I miss about the northeast, particularly Teesside area where I'm from, is the Palmo. Do you? Oh. There's only a oh, few people in the world, and they're from the northeast, mainly the Teesside area around and surrounding, who know what a Palmo is. And those oh, who are listening, Palmer. yeah. You miss it. Do you know up. what? Do you know what Palmos? You know, it's just no. It, it's just it's like culinary. I can't even say. It's just amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, and now we both don't live in in that area anymore. We uh, we. Oh, well, I will. I miss it. I think as more the thing I miss most about that area. I'll be honest. 
you miss the par more more than more than the warm friendly people wow how shallow are you Emily <laughs> yeah of all the things you could meet you could miss like rosebury topping and and you know all the lovely coastline that we have but you missed the par more wow strong start Emily well I know I know well to be fair all right I apologize to people of Teesside it is true though you are very very lovely people um because I'm one of them but you know up the borough and all that Oh no! Come on, monkey hangers. I, I, I'm Hartlepool all the way. I'm not having Hartlepool no, United. I'm not yeah. <laughs> well, since, <laughs> since we don't have football in common, uh, we do have the place where we come from in common. Uh, th- by the way, those people who don't know Palmo, Google it now. Even though you think probably it looks like a heart attack on the plate, you'll actually see that it's probably the the nicest thing you're ever gonna. Yeah, I'm trying. Like, I thought you were gonna quiz me on like what actually is on a palm or. Well, and I, all right it's then. It's like chicken breadcrumbs, isn't it? Yeah, chicken escallop uh, covered in breadcrumbs. What else? Then, is that cheese, cheese sauce. Be- don't forget bechamel. the bechamel sauce. Yeah. Then covered in what they say is four types of cheese, but I'm pretty sure it's just a load of cheddar. Um, and then you put it in the pizza oven. Cook it, obviously. <laughs> And then you serve it with chips and, if you're lucky, cream cabbage. Yeah. I mean, you can get posh versions. Can't you? So, some are definitely a bit posher than others. Yeah, posh parmo in a pub or a restaurant in Yarm. That's a posh parmo. Uh, but, yeah, no, generally you get them in every pizza shop in Teesside. And you can't go wrong, really. Yeah, get yourself a parmo, people. Do you have Do you have special toppings on yours? Do you have, like, mushrooms or do you nah. have... No, it's no, just, just, just plain old... Plain old, plain old palm or yeah, <laughs> not, nothing exciting to it. <laughs> so, well, I apologise for the first like five minutes of this conversation being about palmos, but it's important because literally when you meet someone from the northeast, that is what you ask them: Have you had a palm or? Anyway, um, <laughs> we also have friends in common, don't we? We've got one particular friend yeah. in common, and that links you to BGT. So you know, uh, we'll talk about BGT in a bit, but you know my friend. Annabelle, who is the vocal coach on Britain's Got Talent and X Factor. Uh, she's she's a vocal coach for every show and musical advisor on every show on TV, I think. Yeah, isn't the vocal she? Coach she, the she's stars. incredible. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a good, force of nature. So let's go into teaching. Let's talk about teaching to start off with. We'll come back to Britain's Got Talent in a bit. What inspired you to get into teaching? What was the first thing in teaching that you kind of that got you in there? Um uh, just by the way, you're gonna have to excuse this daft cough. I've had it for like seven weeks, three PCR oh. tests. I can't shake it, so I'm trying to cough in the good bits, Emily. But just in case <laughs> for your listeners, you know, just go with me. Um, <coughs> can I just do that? Um, yeah, well, I, I got into teaching. Um, I knew really early on that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, big, I come from a big traditional Catholic family. Loads of big, big, loads of grand. Uh, nieces and nephews and cousins and things like that um and one one day i'm i'm playing with the kids in the playroom my, my cousins and my auntie who's a deputy head teacher came, uh, came through and said oh david you'd be a brilliant teacher i could just see you in the classroom and i was like oh auntie Moy, i get it yeah yeah that'd be brilliant and and it's the penny drop literally i think i was 12 or 13 and from then on in that's all I ever wanted to do. I just wanted to be a teacher. I just wanted to, I love spending time with kids. I love making them smile and helping and, and playing with them. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. I, I think pretty early on, 
I decided I didn't just want to be a teacher, not just a teacher, I don't mean that in a rude way at all. But, you know, it was the fact that at 12 or 13, I made the decision that I wanted to be a head teacher as well, oh, you know, right, which is nice. quite early. To, yeah, Big am- it's, it's ambitions, probably, yeah. Yeah, there's probably psychologists would have a field day with, you know, a 13-year-old deciding that he wants to be the, the you know, the head. But yeah, I, I decided really early on that, that that's what I wanted to do. And that was, you know, the next five years was, was built up going off to university. And then I went off to Durham at 18 and, and then, you know, then started teaching. Nice. And you moved to, did you work in Teesside at all or did you go straight yeah, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I worked in, uh, I, I mean, at first I, I, I decided that teaching wasn't for me. I wanted to go off with all my mates who were at Durham with. I wanted to go down to London and, you know, mm. I, I don't know what I thought I was going to go and be, but, you know, I, I'd earn a fortune and I'd, I'd yeah. run something massive. Um, so I, I didn't apply for jobs. I did a bit of supply and I ended up at Oak Tree Primary um, in the middle of Stockton. And I just loved it. I did supply and I, I just I, I stayed there for another five or six years. I did all sorts of different things and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Deputy head of another school in Stockton and then moved to the Northwest and, and did lots of other things. Um, but yeah, I, I do love my job. I really look at it. I love it. That's great. And you talk a lot about um, happiness in kind of the the people that you teach um and I suppose that transfers into the staff that you work with um what does happiness in action look like what are the values that you try and instill uh, as, you're, as you as you lead it's a great question and I think it's something that I've, I've kind of I've thought a lot about for I reckon 20 years or more and, and it's trying to to to, to get this balance of being, you know, I, I think the challenge is when when you're a leader or you, when you, you expect, you, you what, how do I word this? But basically, I think there's a, a misconception that to be a leader, you've got to be strong, but pig-headed, stubborn. Mm. You know, you know. remember the Ofsted guy a couple of years back said, you know, a good leader has low morale within school or something stupid right. like that. Wow. And I think it's trying to balance the fact that you can have this happy culture where most people get on and they enjoy coming to work, but then balancing that with high performing because often high performing, mm. you know, it's high stakes, lots of accountability, very driven, and and trying to to, to do both those things at the at the same time, they do work very very well together. And actually, I think if you can get the, both of them right at the same time, that's when amazing things happen. Mm. But trying to to, to to develop that culture whilst keeping everybody happy, it's difficult. It's very time, it's very time consuming. I think you're spinning even more plates and balancing even more things. But that, that I genuinely believe that that's when the exciting stuff happens when you can marry up the two of them. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it, when you've got to kind of have your headship hat on and you've got to do the official things and you've got to be that kind of person in that position where people look to you for guidance and I suppose you know whatever values that you want to model to be displayed and then add the element of making sure everyone's okay yeah it is difficult you know naturally I I just want to get on with everyone I probably like most people I just want to be liked and that's hard when when you're the boss yeah Um, and, and, and you've got to make sure that you are willing to step into that place mm. and have that conversation but I genuinely believe that every single conversation can be done with kindness, even the Absolutely. hardest ones. And, and, and I think you know when you've got it right, when you've, de- you've delivered something really difficult, a message that you don't want to give, and thank you for it. 
or you get texts mm. later on in the night saying thanks for the way that you dealt with that. And actually, people will be usually a lot more receptive to it. They'll take it on board and they'll work with you. It comes back to that whole idea that relationships is so important mm. and you've got to really look after that relationship. And I think probably the first year or two of being ahead, there's probably times where I did get that wrong. You know, and mm. I was like, I need to be strong and I, you know, I need to flex my muscles. <laughs> and it, I don't think you do. You know, I think you can flex your muscles by showing that there are there are there are boundaries. You, you're consistent. You know, sadly that there has to be consequences sometimes if people don't do what they're being asked to do. And mm. you know, I, I think you can. I think you can have both, but it's it's very very difficult to do at times. Yeah, and I love what you just said about having kindness in conversations. Um, I think that often gets very lost, especially when you're in such a position where it's very stressful and again coming back to the fact that you're a leader and you have a lot of weight on your shoulders uh remembering to be kind in those moments is often something that we will quite easily forget through not necessarily any fault of our own but they do have consequences so that our words have consequences don't it and and our words have action um impact um and it's just about kind of coming back to that kind of compassion-centered approach um that's really really important would you yeah would you agree yeah goodness me I, I, absolutely and i i think both of us can probably think of moments in our personal life and professional where somebody's got that wrong and yeah. the damage that it can do and you know how it can knock your confidence and, and sometimes mm-hmm. for much much longer than that person you know w- would ever imagine you know they, they've said it they've, they've, they've delivered you know they've, they've fired that bullet my you know they, they, their bit's done but sometimes the, the damage is, is can be very, very long lasting. And I think it's a privilege to be a leader in any capacity. I think as, as a head teacher, a leader within skills, we're, we're public servants. We're serving yeah. our community. Mm. And, and with that, there is a great responsibility, not just to our staff, but to our children. And I think it's one that we, we just need to be mindful of. And I think it's really easy to lose that when you yeah. suddenly you're in that position of responsibility, you know, some people, you know, I would imagine get to that position and feel that they're untouchable. They can do whatever they want. I'm the boss. Mm. Whereas I, I, I probably the opposite. I probably feel a bit more vulnerable for it. You know, when you're at the top mm. of that tree, you know, you're a little bit easy to shoot at, bigger target on you, easy to get things wrong. You know, particularly through COVID, you know, when there's a lot of judgment calls and you're trying to weigh up that you've got your very prudent worriers and then you've got the others who are saying it'll be fine. It's, a, it's It can be really difficult. I think it's been particularly challenging over the last 18 months in, in schools. Yeah, I can imagine. I think, uh, yeah, we talk a lot about that over the last kind of few months when we've spoken to leaders, particularly about the kind of the just the absolute upheaval of what we thought we knew was going on. And then all of a sudden, overnight, everything changed. And that's a lot of responsibility to bear. Yeah, God, it's it's a huge amount. And I think it, it, it is, we, we all now value certainty. I don't think any of us realise how much we value certainty in our life. Mm. And we've not had that for such a long time. And and COVID's the, the gift that keeps giving it. You know, we keep having these new moments, these these things that we weren't expecting. Like my gut feeling is that the last six or seven weeks, you know, people in schools have found it really tough. I think that mm. for some reason, I don't know, this novelty value summer term, whether it's getting darker, whether people are tired, I, I really don't know. But I think it's been really hard the last six, seven weeks. And I don't think any of us saw that come in. Because we had them back in the summer term and, it, and it, it felt lovely. It was hard, but it felt lovely. But I think we're in a, a, a strange, strange time at the minute where there's, I, I, don't, I don't know, because COVID numbers are coming up. 
I really don't know what it is, but from what I can gather on on Twitter, which isn't always, you know, the best place to go to for your for your <laughs> facts and stuff. But uh, you know, I just feel like we're in a, another uncertain phase, and it's just being mindful of that, looking after ourselves, you know, to try and get ourselves all through it. Yeah, and it is that it's the, the collective effort, isn't it? It it can't be separate at this stage in in the in whatever people are facing. It has to be a collective effort. And I like you, I see the conversations on Twitter that are happening and I see a lot of people struggling. And I just wonder if it's maybe the fact that not only has the kind of face of education and, and what school life looks like been disrupted, but potentially home lives as well have been absolutely kind of thrown on their heads where you know, parents who were in work maybe are, are not in work anymore or their work environment have, uh, has moved from the office to home. And so that kind of brings a different element. And I think everyone is trying to understand it a little bit more. And maybe that then reflects into what happens when the kids leave the home and they come to school. No, I, I, I totally agree. It's been, a, a, it's just been fascinating, um, not always in a great way to, to watch you know, we've all dealt with things differently. You know, you've said that you, you you got married, you know, that you could only have 25 people there. I'm thinking of my grandma's mm. funeral. You know, we yeah. couldn't all get together afterwards. We've had people lose their jobs. Suddenly they're working from home, but you've got kids around. Mm. You know, we, we, we everybody's had so much upheaval in their lives. And, you know, everything's changed. And, and the pace of change was 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 literally overnight in some cases. Yeah. You know how you were running a school, or you 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 know going to work. Some you weren't going to work, and and uh, we, yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy on reflection. I know we're not at the end of it, but as you know, we are starting to come through the end of it. Hopefully, and we, we reflect on things. You know, and we all go, yeah, but it, it, you know, my experience hasn't been as bad as, as you say who lost the job, but. But we've all had, we've probably all battled our demons. We've all had moments where we're fed up and we're tired. Mm. Um, maybe that's what we're seeing now. That world is fed up of COVID in a way. Um, yeah. And we kind of, uh, yeah, you just got to be reflecting on it now. You know, <laughs> I keep world. having these moments where you look back and you think, wow, wow, we've actually been through a huge amount. But it's flown by in a way. It's taken forever in a way, but it's flown by because we haven't had the big, you know, New Year's Eve, birthdays, Christmas, you know. It's all yeah. felt very boring in many yeah. ways, you know, very yeah. flat, nothing, nothing particularly going on. Yeah, um, lots of people finding that they haven't got a lot to look forward to and there's, there's an uncertainty as to whether or not something's going to go ahead or not. I know when I was, you know, planning my wedding in uh, December last year, like you just said, um, we only could only have a few people there and we, right up to the point of kind of a week before the wedding, we didn't even know if it was going to happen or not. And it was just it was that uncertainty all the time. It brought with it kind of an anxiety as well uh, that I think a lot of people are experiencing too. And maybe for the first time as well, which is is kind of coming yeah, out. I think the anxiety comments interest. Cause I, 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 I get really bad anxiety. People would never know that, I, you know, I really get the stomach churning there, you know, mm-hmm. the, the waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, not being able to focus on things. But I, I spend quite a lot of time speaking with psychologists over the last 18 months and and by all accounts we all get anxiety we just don't don't always know what it is what you know we don't recognize what it's doing to our body and and i think you know the the toll on our mental health on everybody's and maybe that's what we are feeling now you know we're we're almost we've we've run out of resilience we've run out of stamina and maybe part of it's we're just tired yeah yeah absolutely Um, it's it's unrelenting isn't it um Mm. so yeah well 
let's talk about something that may is completely different to this kind of conversation we've just been having, but it is something that you are quite famous for, let's say, which was when the first time I ever came across you, which was you appearing on Britain's Got Talent. Um, what an amazing, amazing moment that was, not just for the, I mean, for you, but for the people watching it as well. It was just incredible, Dave. What, what was that all about? What happened there? Well, <laughs> do you know what? It's the most ridiculous moment of my entire life. It's kind of, it's, tr- it's ruined the rest of my life because I will never have a, a more unexpected and incomprehensible moment. I, I just won't. That's true. That I really won't. I don't imagine I will. Um, but basically, um, we, we are in a, a disadvantaged area, 50% preschool meals, mm-hmm. um, you know, things can be quite tough at times in Fleetwood, but we've got this really strong sense of community and togetherness um, and, and a closeness that you don't have in lots of other places. And we decided that we, we wanted to, to address the fact that we, we felt there was, a, you know, aspirations could and, and should be higher, that we want our kids to grow up thinking that anything is possible, that they should dare to dream. Um, and, you know, we one of the phrases that I used to get a lot, and it, it was a lot, enough to notice it, would I'd, I'd get parents, it did tend to be parents saying, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do, you know, I'd be like, go on, go on, get driving lessons, go and get a job. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then they go, and they go, I'm from Fleetwood. I can't do that. And I'm like, oh God, no, this, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. Of course, of course you can do it. Of course you can. For some reason I've grown up thinking that. And I wanted, I wanted our kids to feel like that. I wanted our community to, to feel that. So we came up with a dreams list. And what a lot of people don't know is we went for Christmas number one. Um, a couple oh. of weeks before Britain's Got Talent. Literally, we had a battle bus transporting us around the country. We had a plane flying a banner around the around the no northwest. Way. We we doorstepped Chris Evans. We we gate crashed Good Morning Britain. We did all sorts of stupid things. There was posters <laughs> all over the northwest. Um, we were hand, we were literally handing out flyers in London. We travelled out of London in the middle of the night just to to hand out flyers <laughs> and try and get on telly. <laughs> Um, and we ended up, we were, we, we did have a top 40, we, we were 33 in the, in the Vodafone top 40. We were going for the BBC one, the official one, and we were 15 in the midweek chart, and eventually we were 64. We just couldn't compete with Spotify and streaming at Christmas. No. Um, so we, we, we'd done that. Um, in amongst it all, we had lots of, you know, we're trying to make dreams come true for the kids. So we had this dreams list. Some of them wanted to be vets or Disney princesses or feed the homeless. And we, we did lots of other much quieter, less high profile things. Um, but one of the kids wanted to go on Britain's Got Talent. Um, so we applied, genuinely didn't think anything of it. Um, anyway, they, they, they offered us an audition. Um, and what people don't know is they sacked us off, Emily. They actually sacked us off. <laughs> we'd, we'd, be, we'd been promised an audition. And no I told way. the kids, got, got all excited about it. <sighs> Um, and, and a lovely guy rang me up and said, I'm, I'm really sorry, but we're not actually going to progress, you know. Um, oh, no. The standard of the choirs is too high. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to be like a normal choir. We're just going to do daft stuff and pop out of pins and things like that. <laughs> I was like, can I, can I send you another video? Um, and he's like, yeah, you can do it. But I'm, I mean, I'm not making any promises. Uh, you know, I think that's probably it. So anyway, that afternoon, we, we, we went on to the old people's home. We got all people involved in it. We, we just did stupid things. Um, sent a video off, and anyway, a couple of days later, they reversed the decision. Said, oh, we, "We love it, we love it." Um, so we we gave it a go, and then the next thing you know, we we're, we're going down to Manchester. Um, we rock up, 
it's torrential rain, gale force winds, you know, cardboard, sodden, the makeup's running out, our hair's all over the place. <laughs> and we go into the, the entrance of the Lowry and you can see the kids didn't feel like they belonged. The, the kids mm. just, they, this, you know, you've got your glamorous dancers and your professional magicians and it was quite intimidating. Mm. And, you know, and he's us wheeling our trolleys and our bins. And, <laughs> and you could see people looking like, why have they got a council bin? You know, the costumes are all random and all over the place. And, and anyway, you know, we, we, we get onto the stage. And over the couple of hours, you could feel the confidence in the kids growing. They went from, I don't belong, to, oh, this is cool. You know, that you could, you could feel it. But this huge sense of the unknown. So we, we go on, you know, we're backstage. The kids are literally touching all the lights, the sound, the messing with everything <laughs> they shouldn't be. This yeah. camera's and, and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm conscious I'm mic'd up and I'm like, leave it alone, leave it alone. Stop it. And I'm glaring at them as if to say, please don't break it. Yeah. And and the next thing you know, you know, by, I mean, by this point, I'm terrified, literally, absolutely terrified. One of the, my, the, the lead singer, the one who starts, uh, Laney, starts crying because what the act before has got a red, you know, the crosses where they're oh, yeah. out. Yeah, and, you know they, they interrupt it, and the noise is so loud. So yeah. she's crying. I'm like, oh, "Come on, we've got to go on next." And the next thing, you know, we just stood chatting with Ant and Deck, you know, and everyone loves Ant and Deck. And and at that point, we'd won genuinely. Like uh, that was it. I just wanted them to meet Ant and Deck and go on stage and you know have this lovely little moment, round of applause. You know, that was great, but we're not taking you through. That would yeah. have been it. That was it. Yeah. And the next thing, you know, we go through. And you know, we soon we're doing it, and I'm thinking this is going all right. The crowd are dancing, and everyone's standing up and singing. And you know, I've stripped off down to my sequined lycra. Um, you know, it's a bit too tight for me, a bit too short on the legs. And 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 I just remember thinking, oh, this this is amazing. This is crazy, but it, it, it's amazing. And then it finished, and we got a stand innovation, and it was just the most incredible. Oh, just the most incredible moment that this shouldn't be happening to us, but it is, you know, you've got some of the most famous people in the country, you know, Simon, the most, one of the most famous in the world now, you know, and, 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 and then they start crying. And then I'm thinking, I don't understand this. Why are people crying? Why? Cause, cause we never, we never had an audience. Yeah. And, and, and then they start chanting, chanting, press the gold. And I vividly, vividly remember thinking, Oh, that's cool. Isn't it? That's cool. That's cool. But that's never going to happen. Yeah, you know, and it's getting loud. I'm thinking, oh man, we 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 should get on the telly now. <laughs> the kids are going to get on the telly. You know, 50, 50 kids, half of them are on free school meals. We've had kids with you know with special needs. Kids have been at risk of exclusion. You know, it's complete mm. inclusive. You know, we weren't the best singers in the world. And and the next thing you know, David Williams is stood up and he's thinking, oh my god, his hands, oh my god, and, and he's pressing call the buzzer, and the tears. God, we cry about you saw yeah, us crying bet. on telly. But we cried for way longer than that. We, you know, it was just like inconsolable. Like, oh God, oh God, we, you know. And all of a sudden, the yeah. reality dawns, and he's like, "I've got to take fifty kids on a, on a ridiculous field trip to, <laughs> down to London." Um, and, and it was amazing. You know, we ended up. We were on Good Morning Britain this morning. Um, you know, I think what was weird, you know, when we went down to London, the, the it was on on the Saturday, and then the, the, the Monday morning, it became a news story. We were on like BBC News 24, ITV News, yeah. all the pit. It was just crazy. <coughs> um, and anyway, the, the kids got, you know, six nights, all expenses paid in central London, wow. 50 kids, four-star hotel. 
David Williams came to school in his helicopter, did an assembly. We all got copies of his books. No way. Uh, it was just, you know, it, it was it was a proper like lottery win moment that, you know, we, we could have tried that a thousand times over, a hundred thousand times over, never, you know, never pull it off. But we gave it a go. And, and the whole point of it was to, you know, to teach our kids to dare to dream. Anything's possible. And, and for our community that we showed them, just give it a go. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I went to bed the, the, the night before thinking, oh God, is this like a Daily Mail headline waiting to happen? My dad, <laughs> a couple of days, I'd shown him a video. He said, son, I, I don't get it. He said, son, I'm just worried you're going to disgrace yourself and embarrass yourself. He said, I, I, he, honestly, he said, he said, son, I, I, I think Simon's going to say the kids are great, but you need to lose the adults. So I'm, I'm going to bed the night before thinking, oh, God, oh, God, what am I doing? What am I going to, you know, but the whole, you know, you've got to give it a go. You've got to give it a go. You've got to follow your dreams. And, and the reality is most of the time you're proud of the fact that you gave it a go, that you took that tiny step towards making something exciting and special happen and that, that's what happened um so yes sorry god i've just i've probably rambled on for about five no honestly there. i was it's right there moment. i was right there with you because the thing is what you don't realize is i was watching it right so i'm sat there as a teacher at the time and i just see you appear with the most random act that i've ever seen in my life but it was so beautiful and it was because <laughs> The reason why it was so beautiful was it, the the joy, the energy that was just radiating off that stage. I could feel the happiness through the telly. And then it all went really far and you got through the golden buzzard. That, honestly, it was like a it was just like a really pivotal moment because you don't see that kind of stuff on Britain's Got Talent uh, where it's because usually it's very rehearsed. It's very polished. It's very, you know, professional, if you like. And people spend years and years kind of practicing to get to that point. Um, and this wasn't necessarily that, <laughs> but it was kind of uh, it was just so beautiful to, to watch. And it was raw and I loved it. Do, do you know what? Uh, it's it's just, it's really emotional. Like when you're saying that, and 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 I, and I do watch it back. Um, it's just a moment that we'll never forget. And you know, for those kids, you know, some of them, the reality is, I could tell you really sad stories. You know, of some of the things mm. that have gone on in their life. But for the for for the rest of their days, there will always be a golden buzzer. They can always have that that little moment. And it wasn't polished. You know, the reality was our audition pro process was. 20 quiet, you can sing. You're in, you're in. And we realised yeah. really quickly, they didn't want to jump out of bins. They didn't want lifting above my head. You know, yeah. so we, we, we <laughs> wandered around the school. Who wants to be a British talent? Stand up, show your best dance moves. No music. And half an hour later, we've got a list of the most out there children who just were up for a bit of a laugh. And, you know, there'll always be golden buzzers. You know, we can, we can sit in the care home, hopefully watch you back on YouTube. And I thought, did we actually do that? And, and, and we did. You know, it was you know, it's just beautiful. Honestly, it was, it was such an amazing experience. It really was. What I love about that though is the pre bit that you said about you were you were making kind of uh, work to to kind of raise the aspirations of the kids in your school. You were showing them that they can dare to dream, and what you did is you literally showed them that that can happen. That if they put one foot forward and just you know, either applied to go on Britain's Got Talent or, you know, um, I don't know, went to a football trial or something, get the driving lessons that you were saying to that parent. The, the difference it can make in someone's life just to have the encouragement to say, no, actually, you can do this and let me show you. 
it's magical. Do, I don't, do you know, I, um, I think, you know, what, what we can turn around now, I can turn around and go, somebody will go, I can't do that. I'm like, yeah, but we need to win Britain's talent. I know, you know, it's just a mentality. Just take, yeah. you know, take that big dream, whatever it might be. And, you know, the, the singing and dancing media little thing that we did, that works for us. But it might be, you know, somebody wants to be a doctor or mm. somebody might you know, have some really quirky ambition, but it's just taking that that tiny step. And then you take another tiny step and another tiny step. And, and the reality is the way that I see it is you keep going long enough, you're going to get there. And you might not get exactly where you want, but mm. something's going to happen along the way if you do persevere and show resilience. And that that's what I, I think we showed our children. And hopefully we've continued, you know, continued with over the two years since since that happened. So on that, just thinking about kind of raising kids' aspirations and the things that we can do to help them, I thought of a question to ask you, which was, if you could create a dream curriculum for your school or any school, what kind of things would be included in that that aren't maybe necessarily included now? Oh wow! I'm just gonna wow. Big question. Um, I think there's always going to be the the essentials. You you know, we all know that you need your English, your maths, um, your your science, technology, and things like that. I think it's more. I I think I I worry that PSHE or whatever it's called officially Mm -hmm. these days. um, I worry that that's we don't. I worry that's on that on that list of you know lessons that when you haven't got time get pushed to one side um and and i find myself reflecting that we've done a lot of work with the psychologist over the last five years the leadership team and the rest of the staff you know so for example on delivering feedback so as adults we're getting taught trained you know how to be better listeners how to you know challenge people you know how to build teams if we're adults why aren't we doing more of that with the children and i just Mm. worry that we don't you know about you know dealing with confrontations, falling out, you know I think I think you know early years are brilliant for doing that kind of thing, but I, I do worry that it's on the list. You know, if you're not a music specialist, like your music, something that gets sidelined when you when you've run out of time. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's more the more the, the, the is it necessarily practical stuff, but the things that do build resilience, giving our children opportunities for to fail, um, enterprise stuff. You know, I love the idea of giving each class, you know, a couple hundred quid over the year. Right. Can you turn, you know, what can you turn that into? Yeah. You know, having, having, a, we've got plans to have our own coffee shop on site. I'd love to have a shop that nice. the kids can sell things. So I, I like the idea of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then I guess things like your art, your music, your drama, the things that you've got some children who are blessed and the brilliant English maths, but you've got equally children who are really not. And I think we should be taking the other side of things, not more seriously, but that, that I think you could argue for specialist teachers or people coming in because, you know, I paid for dance instructors, Natalie, uh, who comes in with, a, you know, now and again, the dance lessons that she will do are completely different to what I would do. You know, yeah. I'm literally just enthusiastic. You know, I've got staff <laughs> who are amazing at, at music. So I like them to, to have that experience, the same with art. So I guess part of it, you know, those are the other things as well that, particularly in primary school, we, we're jacks of all trades, and I think we're very good at it. Mm. But I, I just wish we could take it a little bit further, make it a, a richer experience. Maybe even the ones that show some natural disposition for some of these things, maybe let them have that 
you know more time to you know to indulge that and and channel it a, a little bit more um i probably offer more extended skill stuff you know after school that you know almost like your independent skill model where they can do a lot more different things after school but the reality is more a lot of teaching staff particularly at the minute we are very busy and, and it can be quite stressed so trying to find budget. that within yeah we try to find that within your, your the, the existing time that you have can be difficult i don't know it's a, it's a great question um d- debating you know more speech and language type mm, stuff communication um, it's just time isn't it i think it's all I, th- I think we've got i think we know what we do with the curriculum we all you know base it on one thing but we all do it differently but it's just time it's just it's just fitting everything yeah. in and if it's not about time it's about money isn't it because you could you could have the time you just don't have the resources or the money to fund it and that's yeah. the really sad part of it because you know if we want to um enrich our students life and we want to give them all the kind of opportunities but we're still tied to a mandatory curriculum if you like um that kind of limits the opportunities that you can do within the school setting when it's on a limited budget and it's a real shame um i i I kind of worked on a project at one point of kind of enriching their cultural capital where you know i brought in a Uh. kind of head head heart and hand type thing so we, we put on courses we collapsed the timetable on a Wednesday, brought in courses that were to do with, and the students taught, uh, like directed it. So they kind of chose things that they wouldn't normally choose to do or that interested them based on their passions. So it might have been very kind of practical things uh, where they use their brain or their heart, whether they were passions or hands, which was kind of actually making things. And it was really interesting to see kind of the students' choices as well. We had driving lessons in the car park, you know, it was kind of really interesting but that's only achievable if you have the resources to to do it do you know it's it's, it's fascinating I, I found myself thinking do you know what I, i'd add to that you know going out for a meal um going mm. to an art gallery um you know yeah they were the kind of the, things yeah the cultural things because i think back to my time you know we're from similar necks of the wood and i think back to my time growing up in hartlepool and, and I just didn't have very much cultural capital. Uh, I, you know, I, I genuinely, and I, 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 I'm not making this up, I, I learned which knives and forks to use from Pretty Woman. There's a scene on Pretty Woman <laughs> where they sat and they're working from the outside in. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. going, you know, I remember going off to Durham University and it was really posh. You know, I couldn't understand 16 miles from Hartlepool and it was like a different mm. world. It, you know, popped up, popped up uh, polo shirts and gilets and, bright coloured chinos yeah. which I now wear all of those and I like them <laughs> um, but it was a different world and you know knowing which sauce went which with went with which meat and you know just just yeah. which wine I, I didn't know that you didn't put red wine in in, in the fridge you know it, yeah. it sounds really silly I'm not suggesting that we teach them alcohol skills at primary <laughs> school but maybe at college but you know just little things that we we take for granted so that when you're thrust into that world you know, a world maybe that you're you're not necessarily used to. You want to feel confident, but if you're sat thinking, do I use this and do I do that? And is that mm. okay? Mm. You know, how do I cut my cheese? Do I just cut mm. it off the end or do I keep the shape? You know, it's yeah. just... Yeah, things, things that we don't think about necessarily. No. That, that no. you know, I know I know of students and you will as well who haven't left their estate. They've never been outside That's of the fair. city. They haven't, I mean, I imagine taking 50 kids to London was quite an eye-opening experience yeah, for them do, do, you know i think they'd be honest that we had we had some some families who would be honest and said that they'd never been to a service station before 
And, and they were going crazy, like spending all the money. I'm like, guys, guys, they're really expensive. They're really expensive. Don't stop. And then, you know, and then checking in to, you know, a really posh hotel. Yeah. You know, can you imagine 50, 50 families all, all rock up in, in one go, you know, and then, you know, you know, going down for your, your buffet breakfast the, the next morning and, you know, things that we just take for granted. And I remember, you know, I, I remember like a story, I, I, the first time I stayed in a five-star hotel, when I, I must have been like early 20s. And I, re- I remember buying a suit, but I didn't just buy any suit. I bought a linen suit, a linen suit, <laughs> completely out of season. And I rocked up, see him all in the Northeast. I rocked up in a linen suit. I was like early 20s, but it was a five-star hotel. And it's just like linen suit, it's summer, it's warm. You know, I probably don't need to wear a tie, you know, it, 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 but, but I can laugh about it, but. I carried all those insecurities around mm. with me and, and, and mm. I'm lucky now that I've had these experiences that I can go most places and I don't feel out my depth and, and I do feel confident. But I don't think you've had it, you know, times where I've modified my accent. You know, yeah. I just wanted to sound a little bit less northern. You know, and, and it's not I don't even think that one's been deliberate, but it's just given our youngsters, getting back to the point, given our young young people these experiences where you know they, they see what's outside the the, the town limits and and yeah. experience a bit of the world and, and that, that's world. why you know that that's why part of it we just bought two mini new two new minibuses for me part of catch up you know covid catch up is actually getting them out more showing yeah. them the world you know when we went to manchester most of the kids had never been to manchester and mm. now you know now the parents will who, who went there will go to manchester for the day or they mm. will go to london on holiday yeah because they were terrified when we went down there. That's the reality of it. They were terrified. And we took staff to help them get on the buses and the tubes and things like that. And then when we made it through from the semi-final to the final, we had this beautiful moment. It sounds really daft, but we were walking down the street, me and my other half, and there's a a, a London bus. And I can hear this banging and shouting out the window. And I'm like, what what the hell's this? And and it was our our kids and family smiling and waving, heading into central London. And it was brilliant because they yeah. were on their own. They didn't need chaperones and show, you know yeah. people to show them around. And and we took them kicking and screaming. You know, we showed them that there's a there's a world out there. And I think you know it wasn't just for the children. I think for the parents that they'll have taken a lot more out of it than any of us ever expected. That it's just beautiful. I love it because uh, you've. I, I don't know. You probably won't realize it because you don't always think of the the impact that you're having on people. But the amount of lives that you have enriched just for doing that for taking that brave step for being a bit mad and applying to Britain's Got Talent and just changing I reckon you've you know you've changed people's lives for good there and that's incredible you know I I really appreciate that but you know that's what's fascinating if I'm being totally honest that you know that people looking in and be like oh he loves the tv stuff you know I've done BBC Bite Size and there's, there's lots of other things happened along the way but genuinely, the real me gets a kick out of stuff like that. You know, I'm chair of Future Fleetwood, this group in Fleetwood that we're trying to improve our town and bid for money and, you know, improve lives. That's the exciting thing. You know, and yeah. it's such a privilege being a teacher, being a, a leader within schools because we're changing lives. And, you know, it's not just the lives of our children, but it's the parents, it's our community. And and that that it's so exciting to, to have the opportunity to do that, but it, it can be hard. And I guess we mustn't leave, must never lose sight of that when we're tired and stressed. Yeah, and also when you least expect it as well, you'll get a message or a letter at some point in maybe 10, 15 years time. 
given you an update on who, you know, this student that you never expected to hear from again, but they've turned around and said, sir, you actually changed your life and you really helped me. And we, those moments as well is why we all, always do it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. So we're coming to the end of this, but what's next for you? Because you've done BBC Bite Size, like you mentioned, and you've got stuff going on. Obviously, your focus is in school, but what's coming up next for you? Do you know what? Totally honestly, the, the amount of people that would be like, oh, he's going to move on. I'm not. I, yes. I, I honestly, I, I found a school that I, I love. I'm really lucky. You know, I, I, the staff are brilliant, hardworking, conscientious, good fun, up for yeah. a laugh. Um, you know, when I have these stupid ideas, you know, you know, I don't know if you saw last Christmas, we did a nativity. We had David Williams doing the, the voiceover. Amazing. We, had, we managed to get Piers and Susanna, uh, Jamie and Amanda, all these like, you know, we, we had a donkey, you know, we did all these stupid things and it was brilliant. And, and I think I, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I, I could never recreate and have what I've got a flick fleet and I'm not going anywhere I, I do love the tv stuff I'm not going to lie and the reality is I only do like six eight days a year and that kind of thing and, and any money that does come my way goes to school you know that that's that's yeah. the you know that, that's what I've always done um I, I guess what was quite nice I'm involved in well schools fed ed um future fleetwood just you know some some groups out there that are just just quietly disrupt. Can he quietly disrupt? I don't know, but just you know, just yeah. just trying to push the boundaries a little bit, encourage people to to reflect and think about how we do things, why we do things, because we're living in a different age, and I think everything needs to change with the times. It's hard to do, you know. Technology in the world changes much quicker than education can keep up, but I think as long as I've got those things going on at the same time, I'm, I'm genuinely quite happy. Excuse me, I'm quite happy where I am. Weirdly, yeah. Which is quite oh, nice. Great. I've not I've not had that for a long time. And I've always no, been no. like, what's the next step? It was always a race to be a head teacher. Then I wanted to be in a bigger school and a, a, a more challenging area. And and yeah, I think it's just it's it's trying to continue to try and find the time to you know to get involved in things like this. You know, speak to people outside of Fleetwood and and, and who are doing exciting things out there in the education world. So yeah, I'm quite happy. Believe Good. it or not, I'm quite happy. That's really good to hear. And honestly, Dave, the waves that you're making, the things that you're doing, just keep doing it because uh, when you feel like it's hard, there's a big group of us going to cheer you on and, uh, and be your cheerleaders whenever you need it because you're doing brilliant stuff. Oh, do you know, I really appreciate that. I've, I've been a bit tired and a bit stressed the last couple of weeks. So I, I really appreciate that, Emily. Thank you so much. No, and thank you. And thank you for giving your time today to come and speak to me and uh, keep in touch with Twinkle. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you're doing. No worries. Thanks, Emily. Take care. The Leaders Team podcast is brought to you from the Leaders Team at Twinkle. We help leaders lead and our podcast is here to amplify voices of those in and out of the profession. We talk about all things teaching and leading and share the incredible things that so many people are doing to make education a better place for everyone. Check us out at twinkle.co.uk forward slash SLT.